Charlie, save some notes for the rest of us. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? This is Perry with Premier Guitar here in Nashville, Tennessee. And today we have internationally renowned Charlie Parra. He is a, a badass shredder from Lima, Peru, um, who kind of got thrust into uh, the spotlight, at least in Peru, doing the Peruvian national anthem in, in, in a metal style. And then since then has gone, to do, gone on to do a lot of um, uh, mashups with not only video games, I know that you have a deal with Capcom, you're doing like the Street Fighter stuff, but also Call of Duty, and then, you know, Game of Thrones, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, anime. Like, you do crazy-ass mashups, it's so cool, man. How, how are you today? Oh, uh, everything good, man. Thank you so much for having me here in Premier Guitar. This is pretty much a milestone for me, so thank you, man, I'm pretty cool. It's an honor to have the very first uh, South American guitarist with a, with a Gibson or a Kramer deal, man. That's cool. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm pretty, you know, uh, to this day, I can't believe it. Oh, I'm pretty excited to be talking to you. I'm a pretty big fan of Premier Guitar, so yes, this is really awesome, man. Yeah, of course, of course. We're a big fan of yours. Uh, I think the first thing I heard from you was the Game of Thrones medal. <laughs> and that was pretty much like almost like nine years ago. Like nine years ago. Wow. It's fun because these kind of things that I've been doing, these remixes and covers and stuff, actually led me to be working with... Uh, are you familiar with Street Fighter? with uh, oh, Duke yeah. Nukem. Well, I got the chance to work with Capcom doing some music for their trailers, for anniversaries and stuff like that. So, man, it's the power of the internet and, and metal in general. It really is. Charlie has amassed an amazing online following uh, doing videos on YouTube, um, of course, but, you know, he's had a super strong career in uh, South America. As a matter of fact, you're the first South American guitarist with a Kramer signature model, right? Yes, the first South American with a Kramer signature, actually the first South American with a Gibson signature guitar. You know, like Kramer is actually a brand from Gibson now. Yeah, well, that's huge, man. All right, let's, st let's start off with that because you're, you're, I always see you with a V um, and this is your Kramer signature. Tell us all about it. Well, uh, the truth is that I've been always a big fan of the Flying B, like the classic Flying B guitar. Uh, the first time I saw one was actually from Wolf Hoffman from Accept, right? Uh, that video from Balls to the Wolf, right? So um, I was hooked because of the shape of the guitar and you know, as years went by and I was playing guitar, I realized the shape was perfect for the style I was developing. Like you don't have any wood here, so you can access to the fretboard really easy for tapping, right? So. I think that also it's pretty comfy, it's pretty comfortable, and well, my signature guitar is actually based on, on the Gibson Flying B. It's like the Kramer Night B, alright? So it has this, like this modern shape, this, uh, it's a 
this blend between modern and classic because it has like the classic two nomadic bridge but has the EMG uh, active pickups so it's been quite a while man and now we have a new guitar coming out which is the Charlie Parra Vanguard it's from Kramer Guitars USA at the new signature model it has this time 24 frets and this cutaway so you can access absolutely all the high notes and it's gonna be really awesome man and the look is pretty killer too <laughs> yeah I dig it so I, I've noticed uh, unlike a traditional V your yours almost has like a carved top um, you know uh, uh, like a dimensional top was that something intentional in the design uh, actually it's because you know the, the night B was already in the market so I got the the chance to make a couple prototypes before getting to the final model and it was uh, I was not really familiar with some guitar terms you know like the scale not like the guitar scale uh, like you know the fretboard scale and right. As we were building the guitar, because actually I went to Nashville to build the guitar. And by the way, Nashville is awesome, man. It's a really, really nice place. And we got the chance to test it and we got to the conclusion that was supposed to be the guitar. That was the way this guitar should be. And the difference between the first guitar and the new guitar is actually pretty, you know, in the sound, it's pretty minimum, but I think that uh, the previous one is a little bit more classic, you know, like just starting with 24 fret. 24 frets has the, the new one and the one before had 22. So there's like, it, it doesn't seem too much, but makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. I love the, uh, the extra cutaway on your new one, just to give you the extra two frets. That's pretty cool. And you barely notice it, you know, it's barely noticeable, but it's so practical. It is actually, uh, when you're playing in uh, 22 frets, when you go to the the other lifestyle of 24 frets, it's a totally different lifestyle. For example, like accessing this note, right? It's something that was absolutely a, a dream for me. I did not have any, any idea that I could do. That little note, that's, I don't know, man. It's pretty fun. I feel like, oh my God, I have extra notes. It's a cool feeling. <laughs> That's super fun. So for anybody watching at home, if they wanted to buy your signature Kramer, what, um, what, wood, what, what is it made of? What wood? Uh, actually, it's uh, mahogany. I, yes, mahogany. Um, you know, actually, English is not my first language, but I'm getting used to it now that I'm doing so much, you know, online stuff. But yes, it's mahogany. Uh, the fretboard is ebony. And uh, yes, that, those are the woods that are in this guitar. Good choices, good choices. Um, and then also you're an EMG artist. So if I were to buy your signature for, from Kramer, would it come already loaded with EMGs? Yes, it's already loaded with EMGs. Actually, it's a 57 and 66. I used to be a big fan of the 81 and 85, the classic EMG set, right? But I got the chance on 2013 uh, to try the 57 and 66 and I, I truly like this a little bit more maybe because their dynamics are different I feel that they're a little bit warmer and you can use clean tones in a you know you know actually clean way they don't have this high gain that you know you can't do clean guitars with the other one right so yes I, I really like it so and you actually get that feel of the difference between the 
uh, the neck and the bridge. It's like. Like. I'm sorry, bridge. Neck. It's pretty noticeable. Yeah, 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 it's, it's very noticeable, yeah. So, I am a huge fan of the 8185. I've played that since I was a kid. What would you say tonally is different about this set? Is it, is it more, because these are still active, right? Yes, they are active pickups. I, I think that, I, um, I think the thing is that they're really active, but not that active. They, I think, I feel like this, this guitar and these pickups have a little bit of this passive feel I don't know if, if that's just me, but I ask many guitar players about it and they, they feel the same way. It's like they have this high gain, but at the same time, it's, they have this passive warm. So I, I have made these comparisons with uh, passive pickups, like the old school Gibson pickups. And yes, it's pretty, you know, it gets a little bit similar sometimes without losing the gain you need for, you know, metal and, and shredding. Yeah, that seems like a, pretty good compromise between like an 85 and like a, you know, a passive pickup, kind of a vintage, a little more vintage voice, almost like a Iron Maiden sound instead of a Metallica sound, you know, I like that. I think that they were thinking about that while building this, this pickups probably. It's very cool. Well, congratulations on your signature. That's, that's awesome. Um, are there, are there any other appointments on the newer version that are that much different? I noticed that it has a little bit of a pick guard. Yes, actually, while doing the design of this guitar, I told my friends here in Peru, one of my friends that plays with me in, in my band, that is called Diphonia, I told him, hey man, I'm, I'm going to have a, a new signature guitar designed and built. And he actually told me, hey, you should add a pick guard to it. And I was like, yes, I should do that. <laughs> and that's how the pick guard came in. It looks pretty... I don't know, stylish, maybe a little bit more metal to it because of the color. I, I'm pretty happy about the pig guard. I think that if I took out the if I took off the pig guard, it wouldn't look as edgy as it looks right now. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, with that with that little bit of a pig guard, it looks fucking fast, <laughs> like a sports car. We can swear here. That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. We're just guitar dorks talking about guitar stuff. Okay, so obviously, you know. It's it's COVID, you know. It's a it's a it's a global pandemic. So you're not playing a whole lot of shows. But if you if you were to play a show tomorrow, would you just take your signature, or do you have backups? I think I've seen you play Les Pauls too. Yes, I actually have a Les Paul. It was a I love the Les Paul guitar. Definitely, I use it for you know pretty special occasions. But my guitar is always going to be the the signatures and the flying B. I think that it's because I most of the stuff I do, I, I like playing standing up, right? And I feel like the Flying B guitar is a guitar to play while standing up. So if I had to play a show, I would pick my Night B. Definitely my Night B or the Vanguard or the Gibson Flying B. Definitely it's comfortable. It looks pretty good. It sounds pretty good. So there's uh, no, nothing bad about it. <laughs> Yeah. In America, we say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. I, I love that how, how that sounds. I've seen some documentary that somebody said, if it's good, don't touch it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, are you changing tunings a lot? Or are you pretty much always in standard? or? I used to, in my experience, uh, when I was a little kid, I used to have only one guitar, like most of us, right? 
So I used to play a lot with the turnings, right? Uh, first, you have the E440 guitar tuning, the standard tuning, and then I wanted to play The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson, right? So I had to go to drop D, and I said, oh my God, this is totally, it was life changing for me. And then I started listening to so many different bands, uh, Children of the Grave by Black Sabbath. I had to tune my guitar way lower. And the price was that that guitar's neck was so bad, in such a bad shape because of the tuning changes. I didn't know that that was even a possibility. One day I woke up and the neck was absolutely like a rainbow. It was pretty, pretty <laughs> sad. And then I realized how important it is, you know, to get your guitars with a good maintenance and have a guitar with this tuning. It's, it's okay to have your guitar in, I don't know, D standard and then go into a drop C. It's okay, but it, I don't recommend to have a guitar in E440 and they're going to a drop B tuning with, I don't know, uh, 13 gauge, gauge strings. So yes, I've been experimenting a lot with uh, different tunings, but that means different guitars, definitely. Gotcha. So when you're touring, do you bring a different guitar for each tuning that you're gonna be performing that night? Actually, I don't. Uh, mostly I, I bring one guitar, which is a, a guitar tuning in D, in D tuning, and I just tune it in drop C for, you know, different- Some songs. Yes, for some songs. Yeah. And I do that mostly because uh, touring overseas has become, uh, the years go by and it became more difficult to get the gear on the plane, to get the gear, uh, that's the thing. When you get into a plane, all the trouble starts with your gear, right? They wanna charge you more. There are things that cannot go in a plane unless you're a diplomat or something. So I try to make it easier for me and easier, easier as well for the, the tour manager or the, or the sound guy. Uh, when I started touring overseas, I used to bring two guitars, which was uh, my Kramer Nightbeat prototype and the Gibson Flying B and the Blackstar Huge Amp. It was, uh, it was a pretty intense experience to bring that amp uh, on tour. It was, uh, you know, carrying the amp, loading, loading, load out. And then I got to tour with Fear Factory, right? So in this tour, I saw that Dino, Dino Casares, which is actually a good friend of mine, and I believe he's one of the, the pioneers of electric guitar for, for me. And he was using the digital stuff, right? Like Kemper, Line 6, and he got me into that. He got me into, if you're going on tour, you're going to make your life way easier uh, for everyone if you go digital. And at first I was pretty uh, skeptical about it, but then I saw that it was the right thing to do at that moment because I did not have a crew. Uh, it was pretty difficult to go between CDs. Um, it was even more difficult to go between CDs and you know ha being, having a working visa. So that made it even more difficult to bring all the stuff on the plane and on the tour bus and everything. So yes, I went digital for quite some time, maybe a couple of years, I went absolutely digital. Oh, wow. So were you uh, playing Nax Effects or a Kemper or? I started playing with a Line 6 pod, the old one, the old school one, uh, straight to the PA. 
Um, I remember one day I played, uh, the first time I got a compliment about that was in New York City. I was playing with Covering the Lotus, a band I used to play with, and a good friend of mine, Brandon Ellis, who is the guitar player of the Black Dahlia Martyr, um, he actually told me, hey man, you're, that sounded pretty awesome, what did you use? And I told him, you're not gonna believe this, I'm going straight to the PA, I'm using, you know, this uh, effects processor. And he was like, no way! And when he told me that, because I'm a big fan of Brandon, I said, I'm doing the right thing for now. And um, yes, it was the Line 6 pod, but then I started using Positive Grid uh, Bias, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been using that even for the YouTube videos, uh, for some overseas touring. Uh, I played in Hellfest, I played in Germany, in you know a lot of pretty cool places I never thought I would go. And I, the only thing I took was my guitar and my iPad, where I had all my effects straight to the PA and it was pretty good, it was pretty good. It's definitely not the same team, the same thing as a tube amp, but it was a quite, you know, it was a great solution for those days. And it, I, I think it, you know, it, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I agree, I agree, especially if you're, if you're touring overseas, man, that's, nothing sucks worse than lugging a full tube head through an airport. <laughs> that sucks. Um, yes, definitely. I found it out uh, the first time I ever got into a plane to go on tour overseas was actually for touring in Finland. I w was going to Helsinki. And after seeing all the things that we had to do, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea it would be that difficult. And yes, man, it's so difficult, so difficult. Yeah, not fun. Well, all right, so what am, I, what am I hearing right now? Am I hearing that victory amp? No, you're actually hearing to my bias effects, uh, which is pretty much, I, I try to tweak it uh, the most closest to the victory. I love my victory amp so much. Uh, the thing is that this is the way to record the YouTube videos is with the bias effects. <laughs> I think it sounds pretty, it, I think that the, as days go by, as years go by, the digital stuff is trying to get, you know, way more analog sounding, you know? They want to to do this emulating thing, going beyond and beyond, and there are so many tones right now. I remember they started with AXFX, Kemper, uh, Line 6 and Positive Grid, and now there are so many STL tones, uh, I believe that uh, Misha Mansour from Periphery has its own tone app, I believe. So yeah, there's so many to choose right now. Yeah, and now especially, I mean, it, it's come so far since the Line 6 pod, you know. I can't believe you just went direct with that with no cab sim or anything like that because today, you know, you can have cab simulation, you can change the approximation of a mic on a speaker and how far away. It's like you could really, really dive deep into that shit, you know? Yes, that actually is amazing. It's, I, I, I'm a pretty big fan of the digital world because of that, because making things, uh, you know, easier for everyone. I'm definitely going for the analog things, but yes, digital is, has been a great solution for, for a lot of us. Definitely. Yeah, for, for sure. So what is it about the victory that you love so much? I mean, in a world of high gain amps, there's, you know, Uber shawls and SLO 100s and JCM 800s and 5150s. Like, what is it about the victory that you prefer? 
I think that what I prefer about the Victory, with this one especially, the Super Kraken, is that it has this crunch channel, right? And the Super Gain channel. So, of course, it has a, a clean channel too. But the thing is that every time I, I, I have been a Marshall user for years, and I love Marshall. However, with Marshall, I, I've been using overdrive pedals all the time. Mm. Uh, for example, the uh, GTOD from MXR, I love that pedal, the green one. And the thing is that with Victory amps, with the Super Kraken, I did not have to use that pedal anymore. It has this amount of gain that is pretty, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's huge. And the thing yeah. is that as the more gain you put, you actually don't lose the tone. You know, it's like most guitar players that, that I've met, they put the, the amp, all the gain, right? From one to 10, they go 11 in a spinal tap thing. And you get to the point that you don't understand what the fuck is sounding. What, what is this yeah. guy playing? It's like, he looks like shredding, but all you hear is shh. So yeah. the thing about this amp is that from one to 10, you go maybe to five or six or seven, and it's perfect. It's the perfect uh -huh. amount of gain. I believe that everybody has, you know, their own tone in, in the hands, right? But I believe that this is a great tool. And if you're a fan of uh, analog stuff and big amps, definitely victory amps, Super Kraken is the way to go. It's a great alternative, man. Yeah, so I've personally never played that amp, but is that a, it looks a little smaller, like a lunchbox amp. Is that 50 watts or is it 100? It's 100, actually it's 100. It it's not that heavy, but it's so well built, so well built. I actually used this for the first time last year in, this is pretty brand new almost, a year. I used it for opening for Bring Me The Horizon here in Peru. And it was the first show I did with this amp. And the funniest thing, it was the first time I turned it, I, I actually turned it on for that show. The first time I played with this was at 2019 NAM show. And I was pretty hooked, but then using it live on stage and in front of a big audience and a big stage, it was a, such a great experience, man. And you know, having that feeling that I don't have to to stomp on the overdrive that was like, oh my God, this is to a totally new world for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, sometimes when amps are super high gain like that, um, you almost need to run a noise suppressor. Um, you know, like for example, I love the sound of a 5150, but to get a, put a lot of gain on it and it's noisy as shit, you know, you have to, you almost have to run some sort of noise suppression. So with a Victory, do you, are you running any noise suppressor or anything like that? Uh, actually, I don't for now because I, I don't go to the full thing, right? I don't go uh. to the full thing, but there have been some shows that I've used. Uh, actually, there's a Peruvian brand that is called Jaguar Electronics. Uh, I will, you know, put that on text for you. And they actually make these pretty cool pedals. They have this uh, noise gate that is pretty cool. And they make this booster, that this delay pedal that has already a booster on it. It's, it's a really, really fun pedal. I've been using that, uh, well, uh, for overseas tours uh, before uh, the quarantine started, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it was such a, you know, space saver for the pedal board. Uh, you know, a booster with delay on it, it was pretty cool, man. Pretty, pretty cool. Sure, I mean, if you're ready to go for a solo and you only have to click on one pedal, that's pretty awesome. 
you know, with a boost and delay. I, I never, it's every time the solo comes in, I would have to stomp, you know, first the delay pedal and then the booster. It was like, you know, doing this Dance Den Revolution PlayStation game. <laughs> and, and now you only have to stomp one. It was amazing, man. And it's a, it's a, you know, an indie brand. It's an indie brand, yes. Very cool. So, um, you know, I've noticed some modulation effects, you know, when listening to your songs, uh, definitely delay, you know, maybe a little chorusing from time to time. So tell us about your pedal board. What all, you have, what all, what all do you have going on? Um, actually, I use, um, well, I already told you about the MXR GTOD. I think it's a pretty yep. versatile pedal because uh, it works for hard rock, it works for rock, it works for heavy metal, for thrash metal as well. I play in a band called Massacre, which is a pretty um, legendary band here in Peru and South America. It was actually the, there are a lot of bands that are called Massacre or Massacre in the world. But the first one was Massacre from Peru. They were formed in 1984. It's pretty fun, man. They, they're older than me. <laughs> that, that's how classic they are. And yes, the GTOD from MXR, I love my chorus from MXR as well, the analog chorus, I love it. I have this, um, you gotta know that I'm a pretty big fan of MXR. Uh, the, what's the name of this delay? Uh, the carbon copy delay, the, such a good analog delay. But right now I have to say that I've, I've become a big fan of also Full Mojo Electronics, which is a Peruvian brand. They have this uh, rocket booster, it's a pretty popular booster here in Peru. It's pretty awesome. Um, my Kila, it's called Kia Delay. Is that delay pedal with a booster? It, oh yeah, I, I love it. And the Ernie Ball Tuner, man, is this Ernie Ball Tuner that is actually a tuner and a volume pedal at the same time? Is it the one with? Is it that one with the uh, display on it? Yes, that looks like that's so fucking cool. Yes, it's really it looks really sick, right? The, the first time I took it off of uh, you know the box, it was in Bogota, Colombia. It was actually the the last show I played live was in Bogota, Colombia with my band Diphonia, just before the quarantine started, and I took out uh, this pedal for the first time there, and all the people that was there was like, "What is that?" And I was like, man, it's a tuning pedal, but with with a volume pedal at the same time. Everybody was hooked because it actually looks pretty good. It looks pretty, you know, techy. I don't know if that yeah. word exists, techy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And it's a good, I mean, it's a good way to save some room on your board. You know, if you have your tuner built right in. So tell me this, will, will it work as a tuner in any position? Yes, that's the thing. When you when you uh, turn on this pedal, you get the first thing you're gonna get is a display thing. I'm gonna send you some footage of that. Um, but man, it's it's so cool. It looks pretty techy, and at the same time, you just put it on, and it's you have this panel. It's like I don't know a touch screen. It's oh, wow. yes, I know. It's pretty cool. The first time I used <laughs> it, I was like, oh my god, I'm. This is the future. The future is now. <laughs> the future is pretty fucking cool, man. <laughs> yes, it is right now. And yes, we're, I believe that we're all, you know, expecting for the future right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. So um, are you, 
do you prefer to use the Ernie Ball volume pedal as opposed to using the control on your guitar? I mean, because it seems like it might be a little easier to be able to, you know, because you, you strike me as one of the kind of player that um, you get a lot of uh, tonal versatility out of your guitar. So I'm guessing from time to time you're like rolling back the volume and fucking with the, you know. I gotta say that, to be honest, I, I know what you mean. And I actually love the, the volume pedal. And I think it's way, you know, easier to have your hands, you know, look, man, no hands, right? No, no, no <laughs> volume tone. But at the same time, I've been so used to using the, the knob, right? For this kind of... So I, I, I'm pretty used to that. And yes, I, I actually yeah. do not use the Floyd Rose system. I had a very bad experiences with that while growing up. And um, I, I thought that it would be impossible to be a shred guitar player or a metal guitar player without a Floyd Rose system. But after seeing so many awesome players that do not use it, I, I feel very confident. I, I believe that Gus G is one of them. Gus G is one guy that I, I've seen that doesn't use whammy bars or anything, and the guy shreds, man. Gus G, yeah. legendary, man. Man, I mean, I, lo I love guitars with tremolo, but I've never had really great luck with those motherfuckers either. Especially if you're, tu if, if you're touring, Good luck. And if you don't have a tech out with you, there's no way, man. Especially if you're going on airplanes or, you know, it's really hot out and your shit's in a trailer. It, 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 there's, it's not staying in a tune. I totally <laughs> agree. No I totally agree, man. It's, it's, uh, the thing that happened to me was that when I was really young, when I was 19, I used to work in bars here in Peru. I used to play guitar in cover bands. And one day I was playing uh, Highway Star, right? And the E string snapped. I was playing. The string snapped, right? So I say, what the fuck do I do now? And everybody was like, you know, yeah, this kid is playing that guitar solo and it was the worst moment of my entire life because the whole guitar went out of tune. Uh, in the end, I stay, it was like, uh, man, I have to go to the A minor pentatonic, right? That is here. And it was pretty shitty because the whole guitar was out of tune. So when I tried to do that, it sounded like this. It was a pretty fucked up moment in my life, so I said, yeah. you know, I'm not using this shit anymore. <laughs> I, it was a pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty cheap guitar, but, you, you know, I, I do have a guitar with a Floyd Rose system, a Kramer 84, but really not my thing, given the fact that I, I don't know, I feel like if I don't have this Floyd Rose system, I feel more, more comfy about, uh, you know, playing the guitar and, you know, striking it really hard and everything. Yeah, man, I, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trashing, um, you know, tremolo systems, like, uh, uh, you know, like Power Trip, Blake Abanez, he wears that sucker out, and it's so cool, and he gets those crazy, like, Slayer-sounding solos, but it just always scared me, because if you don't have a backup guitar, you're fucked, <laughs> like, there's no way around it, you know? Yes, that, that's the thing, I think that's something that is pretty, you know, uh, defines you with the tremolo system thing. I, I, I really like it, it's not that I don't like it, the thing is that I believe it's not something for me. 
right? So right. I, I, when everybody was like, hey, dude, can you do a dive bomb? And I would see these guys doing the, you know, these super squills and dive bombs. And I said, man, I want to do that too, man, but I don't have this. So I started doing the, the uh, harmonics, right? <laughs> And pretty much work, you know, with the volume yeah. thing and a little bit of delay and reverb can work. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good workaround. <laughs> so um, does that Victory Amp have reverb on board or are you using a pedal? No, I use a pedal. Actually, actually I use a Sony Cake pedal. Have you ever heard of this brand, Sony Cake? Yep, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the pedal that I use. It's a digital reverb Sonicate pedal. I just use it for. Uh, I did a quick tribute to Eddie Van Halen on my YouTube channel, and I use that analog stuff. You know, the Victory amp, my uh, my reverb pedal, my reverb in plate, just like the Van Halen one album, I believe. And it sounds pretty good for a forty bucks pedal, man. <laughs> it did the job. <laughs> Not bad at all. All right, well, I think the, um, the only thing, a uh, uh, couple of things that we haven't talked about, strings and gauges. If you're, if you're tuning down to D uh, standard so you can get to drop C quick, what are you running, like 11 through 52 or something? Or? I, I go 1052. Uh, the gotcha. 1052, I believe it's called the skinny top heavy bottom of Erdigo, yep. right? And I use that, actually I use that gauge for absolutely everything <laughs> for you know, <laughs> tuning in E, tuning in D, in drop C, but now I'm using uh, 946 in this guitar right now. Uh, this guitar is tuned in E440, but everything in D and drop C, it's in 1052s. However, I have a couple guitars that are in drop uh, B, and this drop B wow. have this Mammoth Slinky, I believe is like the the sixth string is, I believe, a a sixty or something like that. It's getting it's Holy. pretty pretty thick. I know, I know. Yeah, that's that's like a bass high E string. That's crazy. Almost, <laughs> yes, almost, yes. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when I was when I was younger and learning how to play guitar, dr really low tunings were popular. So you know, I got really comfortable playing like elevens and twelves. But now as an adult. I kind of want to go back to nines because when you're playing like 11 or 12 gauge strings, the, 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 the third is almost always wound and good luck, you can't bend it for shit, you know? <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> that, that's the main reason why I've been doing uh, the switch to the nines and I believe it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, I don't know why when I was a, a kid, it was like, what strings do you use? And it was like, I use 1046 or 10.52, and it was like, hey, you're such a sissy. Why are you using so, you know, thin st strings? And it was like, oh my God, I, I gotta use thicker strings. But now that I'm older and way more mature and kind of give a fuck about everything, I'm, I'm using, you know, the nines and they sound really good. Besides, I've, I, I don't know who, uh, the guys from CC Top use eight, right? I've heard that. I've, I've heard, heard that. it too. I believe uh, I've seen many guitar players that use eight, and one uh, I saw Jeff Loomis um, here in Peru. Actually, he was a really nice guy. Uh, he is a really nice guy, and he was using nines too. And the guy sounded really badass. I believe that 
you know, it, it's pretty much, uh, I, for me at least, it's a myth, you know, that that it affects your tone. It might affect, you know, the thing that if you use uh, two thin strings in low tunings, maybe they will get a little bit, I don't know, what's the name, fluffy? I don't... Yeah, floppy, like fl fluttery, yeah, I know what you mean, yes. Yes, but yeah, man, I, I love the nines too. I love nines, tens, and the 11s for the super, you know, I don't know, the drop A stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what kind of picks do you use? Do you have a preference? I, I use this, uh, the big stubbies, but I also use the Rens Hendrix Plectrums. That's an indie company from the Netherlands. And they make these super cool plectrums. I love playing with those. I think it's pretty cool because you get this, um, the tone, I, I love it. I love how to rake with this, this picks. <laughs> I love these picks. I love the, the Rance Hendrix Plectrums. Yeah, I love it. Well, right on, Charlie, man. This has been so fun talking to you. I'm always excited to see what kind of mashup you come up with next. Oh, um. <laughs> I just came with, with, with a mashup. Um, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Huge, huge wrestling fan. And I actually made a medley of uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, oh, okay. I made a medley of his songs during his 30 year careers and he loved it. He posted on that on Instagram. He was pretty happy about it. And I actually met Chris in person. He's the lead singer of Fosse. And we met in person like in 2012. Um, it, it's, it's been a pretty awesome experience meeting so many you know, of my childhood heroes during these times. Thanks actually, I gotta say to YouTube, to the internet. That's the truth. Right. Charlie, you are killing it, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about your playing, and uh, I love hearing young players, uh, you know, explore power metal and different styles of metal and, and, and mashing them all together. It's badass, you know? Oh, thank you so much, man. I actually, to, to be honest, I'm, I gotta be honest with you, I'm not the biggest power metal fan. If, really? If, yeah, man. I actually listen, if, if you go to my playlist when talking about rock, I love Killing Yoke. I love type of negative, and of course I love the 80s, man. I love like right. Dokken, Rat, uh, Guns N' Roses, um, uh, Kicks, Tesla. Th that, that's pretty much my thing. I love dancing. I love punk as well, so much. I love yeah. the Pistols, I love Bad Religion. I love, it, I, it's pretty fun because you wouldn't find a power metal song on my catalog or on, on, my, on my playlist. However, I'm associated to power metal since the since day one. I believe that the, the arpeggio thing was, you know, everybody was like, that's power metal, he plays power metal. Uh, because I did this. And it was like, yeah. dude, that's power metal. Yeah, Charlie, you're a power metal dude. And I was like, dude, I, I like playing the Ramones. <laughs> But yes, I've been pretty associated to that. Opening for Sonata Ardica, I opened for Angra too. But I have also opened for The Cult. I have opened for yeah. The Cult, for Slash. Um, it, you know, it's, I've, I've been having pretty much a lot of different genres. Uh, sharing the stage with pretty much a lot of different genres in rock. But yeah, man, I, I pretty much people associate me with, with power metal. I think it's fun. 
It doesn't bother me at all. I like it. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because uh, Defonia to me doesn't sound anything like power metal. It's, to me, it sounds like post-hardcore. It's got a, a metal influence, but it's definitely not power metal. But when I listen to your, like, video game mashups and shit like that, it sounds like Luca Torelli playing it. You know, it almost has, like, <laughs> sounds like Dragon Force or, or, you know, Sonata Arctica, which I love. You know, I love all of that shit. So, I, I, you know, I mean... <laughs> me too, you know. Uh, for example, I, one of the things is that my favorite guitar players in the world are Slash, Eddie Van Halen, and Randy Rhodes, right? However, one day I said, man, I will never be able to make a melody or a band like Slash. So I said, I'm going to explore shredding, right? And that's how I got into Michelangelo Batio. I got into, you know, the Mr. Crawley guitar solo, which is pretty shredding a lot. And that's actually how, you know, maybe I got into that power metal world. So Charlie, uh you know, a lot, especially now during COVID that you can't tour, you know, your online presence is remarkable. So obviously that setup is going to be different than your touring rig. So walk me through your setup. So when you're making a YouTube video, are you programming the drums yourself? And like, what's, what's, the, what's that rig like? Um, I use GGD, get good drums for drums. I use uh, bias effects for guitars. I use uh, Cubase, Steinberg Cubase for my recordings, and I also use the KRK speakers to have a good reference for monitoring and for mixing, man. And I think that's my workstation for now, till we all tour again. But for now, you know, in the digital world and the online stuff, yes, that's my rig. GGD, yeah. BiasFX, Cubase, KRK speakers, best speakers, and yes, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so cool. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to a metalhead from, a, uh, you know, the other side of the world. It's so cool, man. I'm, man, very I'm, thank you. I'm so glad you took the opportunity to uh, talk to us today. Um, for everybody watching at home, guys, this is another rig rundown. If you are into metal, you got you to gotta look up Charlie online, man. His, his shit is super fun. And it's all over the place. And Spotify, of course. Uh, his Instagram is, is huge. All kinds of stuff on there, but especially his YouTube channel. So you guys go click on that. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're already online. You might as well do that. And uh, we will see you guys later. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you so much, Perry. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the viewers of Premier Guitar. Pretty humbled and thank you. Take care.